Welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron, the online pastor, and today I'm super excited about this service. Rodney Gray is preaching today, and we'll have an opportunity to take communion together as a church family at the end of the service. So as you have time, go ahead and gather some bread or crackers and juice and prepare those elements for later on. And if it's your first time joining us at New City Online, we're so glad you're here. If you're ready to take that step and connect with us, you can go to newcity.us connect, fill the form out there, and I'll be in touch with you this week about some next steps. In Acts 20, Paul encourages the church at Ephesus with the following words. In every way, I've shown you that by laboring like this, it's necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus, for he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Here, Paul wants to leave the Ephesian church with an example to follow. The pattern he wants to impart is one of hard work and sacrifice because he wants them to understand the value of generous living. The question I have for us today is, do we truly believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive? If you'd like to take a step toward giving to New City Church and the ministry here, you can do so at newcity.us give. And if you're a guest today, please feel no obligation to give. We want this service to be our gift to you. Now let's continue to worship together. And I saw Satan fall like lightning. Woo! I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over my name, it is registered in heaven. And I believe in signs and wonders. Yes, I do. I have resurrection power flowing in my veins. Still the miracle that I just can't get over my name, it is registered in heaven. My testimony from day to life cause grace rewrote my story so I'll testify about Jesus Christ the righteous well, I'm justified this is my testimony this is my testimony sons and daughters and bind with blood and washed in water and sing the praises of the spirit son and father our God he will finish what he started yes he will oh our God he will finish what he started things they are still 
Keep me within your love 
your promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness yes i'm still in your hands this is my never not true, God. You're always there. You're present. Thank you so much, Father. Give us ears to hear your word today, God, and bless this time with you. Let this be holy for you, purely for you. Your glory and your glory alone, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This story Jesus told comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven be like ten bridesmaids, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take long extra oil when the bridegroom was delayed. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared the lamps. Five foolish ones asked the others, Please only give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to the shop to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. There, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us, but he called back, Believe me, don't. No use, though you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. The end. How would your life change if you knew when Christ was to return? How would your life change? That's an interesting question for us to wrestle with as we jump back into our series today, Stories Jesus Told. And today we'll be looking at the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. And once again, we'll see that this parable is a reminder to those of us that are Christ followers that not only will he return, but we must be ready. And ultimately, we'll learn from our parable today that faith is not just professed, it's practiced. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, I invite you to turn now to Matthew chapter 25. We'll begin at verse number one. It should also be preloaded for you on the New City app. But while you're making your way there, let me give you a little bit of context to what's going on here in our passage. This 
parable is a part of a teaching that's commonly referred to as the Olivet Discourse, meaning that it's a part of Jesus's teaching on the Mount of Olives. And this discourse in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 is the Lord's teaching on his second coming. And a part of this teaching, Jesus gave signs in the early part of his coming. And now in light of that, he warns the people how to be ready when it happens. And during this discourse, the disciples asked the question, when shall these things be? They wanted to know when the establishment of the kingdom would take place. When was the time of the second coming of Christ? And his answer came in Matthew 24, verse 36. And then it was repeated in verse 42. He said this, he said, so you too must keep watch for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But get this, he said it again to them in verse 44 and again in verse 50. So now four times already, the Lord has said he is coming at an unknown time. And now he gives another parable in chapter 25 and concludes that parable saying it yet again. You think that's important? Now, to be clear, the intent of this parable that we'll begin reading here in a second is not just to remind us of the suddenness and unexpectedness of the coming of the Lord, but also that that suddenness and that unexpectedness should call us to preparedness so that you and I are not caught in that unexpected moment unprepared. So if you have Matthew chapter 25, let's begin reading I want to start at verse number one. It says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five who were wise enough to take enough, but I'm excuse me, excuse me. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. Verse five. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, we'll continue in our parable in just a minute, but Jesus begins by saying, then the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, let's pause for a moment. I want to remind you that this is Jesus, the living logos, the living word, telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like. So when we hear that, we should all lean in. And in this parable, once again, he uses the analogy of a wedding. Now, a wedding during this period was the greatest event in a village or a town. It was a time of happiness. It was a time of festivity. It was a time of celebration. And this is the scene here. This is where our parable picks up. But it's essential for us to know also that in a Jewish marriage, there were three elements or three stages to the wedding. The first was the engagement, which was a formal agreement made by the fathers. The second was a betrothal, which was the actual wedding ceremony where mutual promises were made. And the third was a marriage approximately one year after when the bridegroom came at an unexpected time for his bride. But now, now get this, in early Palestine weddings, unlike in our weddings, the groom was the center of attention. The groom was the one that everybody waited on. 
And in our parable today, the first two stages of the wedding have already taken place. And now the wedding party, the bridesmaids, are waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. Now, who do the bridesmaids represent? Who do they represent? They represent professing Christians. They represent those who claim to belong to Christ. They are those who have gathered with the assembly of Christians waiting on the coming of the Lord. They are those who say that they know Christ and they anticipate his coming. And their presence symbolizes their interest and their lamps symbolize their profession of faith in Christ. See, it's important for us to understand that they show outward marks of commitment. They show outward marks of readiness. They are part of the believing community. They are the bridesmaids ready to receive and enter into the marriage celebration. They profess to hear the gospel and believe. They profess to be disciples who desire the kingdom. But I want to show you something here in the first five verses. I want to show you that they are similar, but not the same. They're similar, but they are not the same. Now, they, are, they were all bridesmaids. We just read that. They all had an intention. They all had expectations of meeting the bridegroom. They all had on wedding garments. We also learned that they all had lamps, right? They all had lamps. And even when the bridegroom was delayed in verse 5, Scripture says that they all were drowsy and they all fell asleep. They are at first indistinguishable, but they are not alike. And it's the same with us. And it's the, it's the Holy Spirit who searches the heart and knows the difference. Verse, verses 2 through 4 tell us that five were wise and took extra oil, and the other five were foolish. They didn't take any extra oil with them. It's important for us to understand this. So they were different, not outwardly distinguishable, but inwardly very different, wise and foolish. One commentator said this about this passage. He said, there is not, more, there is not a more grand or more beautiful spectacle on earth than a great assembly of reverent people worshiping God together. No line visible to the human eye divides into two parts, the goodly company. Yet the goodly company is divided into two parts. The Lord reads our character and marks our place. The Lord knows them that are his and them that are not in every assembly of worshipers. But now get this, the, differ the differentiation here is their preparedness that we see in verses 3 and 4. Here is where their wisdom and their foolishness begin to manifest itself. Though they were similar, they were not the same. Let's keep reading in verse 6. Verse 6 says, At midnight, they were aroused, they were aroused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. Verse 10, but while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. 
So we see that they were similar, not the same. But then the five foolish were present, ready to meet the bridegroom. They were present, but they were not prepared. They were not prepared. We learned that the wise brought extra oil and the foolish didn't. Though they might, have, they might have all looked like they were prepared, some of them were not prepared. It was all external. They didn't have what they needed the most. They all made a profession, but only five were truly prepared with the extra oil that they needed. Now, what does the oil represent? What does the oil represent? The oil represents spiritual vigilance. It is the necessary reality of the saving grace that distinguishes people. See, there may be a crowd of people all the same, outwardly, apparently honoring Christ, but hearts may be different. The oil is like the garment in Matthew 22, 11. If you remember, we talked about this in the parable of the wedding feast a few weeks ago when the king calls a wedding for his son and he sees the guest and he finds a man in the room without a wedding garment. That man, like these five foolish bridesmaids, was present but not prepared. So the oil is the necessary grace which without no man can see the Lord. It is the genuine holiness granted by, here it is, faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says this. It says that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Listen, the more deeply we believe... The more deeply we believe, the more we realize and experience the abounding grace of a loving God. God's desire for you and I is that we would not just be present, but that we, we, we would be prepared with every good and perfect thing that he has set aside for you and I. But some, like the five foolish bridesmaids, or like those who the apostle Paul refers to in 2 Timothy 3.5, when he says that some have a form of godliness, but without power. They were committed. They were attached. They were committed, as one preacher said, they were committed intellectually. They were even committed religiously, but they were not prepared. They had what James chapter 2 would refer to as dead faith. It was a faith that was misdirected. Maybe their, maybe their faith was in themselves that they were already good enough. Maybe their faith was in thinking that they had more time. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I shared that, that a commentator said that the, the, the most powerful lie of the enemy is not that there is no hell, but that there is no hurry. There is no hurry. They were present but they were not prepared. And this makes me think of, of something we did every year when I was a fireman between April and October. Every year between April and October, what we would do is on Saturday mornings, we would take two hours 
and we would go out canvassing neighborhoods and we would look for old smoke detectors. We would replace those. We would add batteries to those that needed batteries. And without fail, we would come across people who either took the batteries out or disconnected the smoke detectors altogether because they were a nuisance while they were cooking. You ever been there? You ever done that? Let me share just a couple of facts with that in mind from a study that was done a couple of years ago. In 24% of home fire deaths, smoke alarms were present but did not sound. 24% of home fire deaths, smoke alarms, smoke detectors were present but did not sound. In half of the reported home fires in which smoke detectors, smoke alarms were present but did not operate, batteries were either missing or disconnected. Nuisance alarms were the leading cause of disconnected smoke detectors. So the smoke detectors were present, but they weren't prepared properly. And Jesus, in this parable, is warning those of us who profess him to not just be present, but to be prepared. This parable also teaches us in verses 8 and 9 that preparation in this sense is personal. It's personal. You see, faith and salvation is non-transferable. It's not that the five wise bridesmaids were being selfish the truth is, give us some of your oil, though it may sound good, it may sound like a godly request, that is a request that no one can fill. No one can answer that request. See, we are each accountable to our own lives before God. We're all accountable to be present and prepared. So the five wise bridesmaids, they believed to the point of preparation. They believed to the point of preparation. Their faith wasn't just professed. It was practiced. It was demonstrated. And so Jesus' story, this parable here, suggests that preparation takes time and thoughtful consideration. It also suggests that it's more than just being present at church. Though that means a lot. It's more than just being present at church. We should be living out our faith, our beliefs, through a life of gratitude. So they were similar but not the same. Some were present but not prepared. Let's keep reading. In verse number 11. It says, later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. Verse 12, but he called back, believe me, I do not know you. Wow, what a sobering moment in the text, isn't it? The sobering moment. This is the sad but harsh reality of unpreparedness. I don't know about you, but what really makes it sad to me is the fact that the five foolish bridesmaids had all of the same information, 
all of the same knowledge that the five wise did. What a tragedy to show up having spent all this time expecting to enter into the marriage feast, having prepared for over a year as weddings were back in those days, having prepared for all that time to show up and finally be told, in spite of all that knowledge and all that, all that time spent being told, I don't know you. Wouldn't it be a shame for us, as, for some of us, as, as long as we've been serving in church and as long as we've been doing things out of service to God, to come to the moment of judgment and be told by God, I don't know you. It reminds me of a verse that you're probably familiar with in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. We like to quote it a lot. It says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and performed many miracles in, in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Wow. An instance of people that, that claim to have done many things in the name of our Lord, in the name of our Savior. Yet they heard with all of the knowledge, I don't know you. They had all the knowledge but they were not known by Jesus. Jesus said it this way in Luke, when he said it in verse 46, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? In verse 48, he said, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation, without a foundation. This passage suggests that some of us have built religious houses without a foundation. We've professed faith, but we haven't practiced it. I heard a preacher say this, that the only thing better than knowing Jesus is being known by Jesus. The only thing better than knowing Jesus is being known by Jesus. You see, the only sure way to be ready for the unexpected day is to be ready every day. Because see, for those of us who are found ready, a celebration awaits. Need I remind you that this, this, was, this was a very anticipated moment by the bridesmaids. They had put all kind of time and energy and effort into this, and only some of them got to go to the marriage feast to celebrate the wedding, to be in the presence of the bridegroom. Our parable concludes in verse 13 with the same grace-filled warning that we talked about in the beginning. Let's look at verse 13. It says, so you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. You do not know the day or the hour of my return. 
I asked you in the beginning, how would your life change if you knew the day that the Lord was returning? How would your life change? Would you feel the need to prepare or get ready? I think today's parable, today's message, is a warning for us to take the gift of, the, of today, the gift of God's grace, of the breath in our body, to use this as an occasion to faithfully prepare for the things that we profess. But I want you to be encouraged in the fact that God warns us because he loves us. He warns us because he loves us. And his desire for us is that we wouldn't be foolish, but that we, we would be ready by faith, that we would be known by Jesus. And he even, by his grace, put a plan in place to make that possible. That plan is named Jesus. And when we live our lives by faith in him, we won't have to be fearful of judgment because we'll be ready at any moment for the celebration with the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And so as our application today, I want to suggest that this week we pray together and we ask the Holy Spirit to show us what it is that's keeping us from practicing, from living out our faith. And that by his grace, not our works, he'll begin to help us to be both ready and to be known by Jesus Christ. Because faith is not just professed, it's practiced. To God be the glory. Let's pray together. God in heaven, thank you. Thank you for this divine moment. Thank you for the grace-filled warning, demonstration of your love towards us. Thank you, God, that the breath in our bodies is evidence of the opportunity to be ready, to be prepared. So God, we pray now that you would show us the things in our lives that are keeping us from practicing and living out our faith, God. We pray that you would help us to abandon the faith in the thought that we might have more time. You would help us to truly live out our lives in a way that not only honors and glorifies your kingdom, but in a way that draws others to you. So we ask that this week, your Holy Spirit will give us the grace to walk away from the things that haven't served us well, to walk away from the things that keep us professing but not practicing. And we thank you in advance for the evidence of your grace that would help us to be both ready and known by Jesus. Thank you for what's to come. Thank you for glorifying yourself in us. In Jesus' name, amen. As Rodney reminded us a few moments ago, 
one day Jesus is returning. And for the believer, this is good news. This is something worth celebrating and worth remembering. One of the final instructions Jesus gave to his disciples was to remember him. They were sharing a meal together and he told them that this meal would represent his body and his blood, that they should eat it together in his absence to remember and be thankful for the sacrifice he would make. This laying down of his perfect and sinless life so that he, we could take on his righteousness. So I'd invite you right now to take a few moments to reflect and remember. When you're ready, take the elements. The bread representing Christ's body given for you. And the cup representing Christ's blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of him. This is the table of God for the people of God. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City family. If you would, no matter where you are right now, extend your hands for benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you, turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.